Welcome to Celebrate Poe, Episode 8, Poe is Born. My name is George Bartley, and in this episode, I would like to talk a bit about Poe's birth. So stick with this podcast while we take a deep dive into the times, life, and works of America's Shakespeare, Edgar Allan Poe. And before we go any further, I would like to ask you a favor. Ratings and reviews mean so much to the future of this podcast. So please take a minute and leave a rating and review for a podcast that currently does not depend on any advertising. Now, especially in this time of COVID, when many of us are confined to our homes, take advantage of Celebrate Poe. Maybe start out by downloading the first episode and follow each episode at your own rate through Poe's youth, poems, tales of terror, influences, and death. We'll all get to them. Uh, This uh, podcast will end with Poe's greatest work, and to many, a source of hope, Eureka. It is my intention that by the end of this podcast, you will have the equivalent of a master's course in Poe. No, even better, because master's courses are limited in time and can set you back a few thousand dollars, and you don't have to go through all the hardships. This week, this podcast will begin a section regarding the year being discussed, a painless discussion of what was going on in the world then. To put events into perspective, uh, you might even be saying to yourself, you mean that happened when Poe was living? Let me explain. Uh, This episode will start with 1809, the date of Poe's birth. Uh, with a few things that were happening in the world, especially in politics, music, and even art, and then cover events specifically that happened during Poe's life of 40 years. For example, the next section of this podcast will start with, The year is 1809. Edgar Allan Poe is born. And episodes will continue until the year is 1849. Edgar Allan Poe is 40 years old. Later, Celebrate Poe will deal with some fascinating events in the world that were taking place at the same time, events that influenced the young Poe. Then this podcast will delve into Poe's works, from fantasy to science fiction, to mystery and tales of detective stories, from romantic poetry to works of horror, and from stories regarding pandemics to premeditated murder. Such podcast episodes, such as those for years that we just don't have a great deal of research for, research for might, and let me emphasize the word might, deal with more than one year. But I'm finding so much information that it looks like there might not be too much danger of that. Some episodes will require far more than one episode. My plans are to analyze several dozen of the most familiar or useful works. Post poems, tales, letters, and works of criticism. Don't worry, I won't be including them all. The Harrison edition of the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe takes up 17 volumes. Poe was quite a workaholic. In other words, some episodes might, and let me emphasize, might cover more than one year in Poe's life, while some years, and this is very flexible, might require several episodes. 
Hopefully, this will make things a lot clearer by trying to present information in the order it happened, although I can tell right now sometimes I might be all over the place regarding subject matter. I plan to include all kinds of cool guests, depending on their schedules. Poe people tend to be a fascinating lot. And of course, this has already happened, I am sure I will run across many a fascinating historical event or story off-topic that just cries out for an episode. The year is 1809, and Beethoven wrote the Emperor Piano Concerto. Mr. James Madison was President of the United States. Mr. Abraham Lincoln, the 16th President of the United States, emancipator and moral leader, was born on January the 19th. Charles Darwin, the influential English biologist who wrote The Origin of the Species and proposed that all life descended over time from common ancestors, was also born on the same day. Mr. Bartley, I respectfully must interject that you have omitted a fact that is most vital to this podcast. You did not emphasize or even mention that I was also born on January the 19th, on a very cold Thursday in Boston, Massachusetts. But one must remember that winters are traditionally very cold in Boston. You know, Mr. Poe, it seems that this podcast has finally reached a point where you can speak more about your life, influences, and growth as a writer. Of course, this podcast will deal with the similarities and intersections of the lives, writings, and works of the three most famous men born on January the 19th, Abraham Lincoln, Charles Darwin, and Edgar Allan Poe but uh, their influences were not obviously apparent in 1809. During 2009, the bicentennial year of the birth of Lincoln, Poe, and Darwin, Adam Gopnik wrote an incredible book comparing and contrasting the lives, works, and ideas of Lincoln and Darwin. And this podcast will certainly go into some of those concepts, especially in future episodes regarding Charles Darwin and Alexander Humboldt. Okay, Darwin you might be familiar with, but Humboldt draws up a blank in most people's minds, even though he was the most well-known scientist of his day. Poe dedicated what he considered his greatest work, Eureka, to Humboldt, but I'll save that for later. Now back to Gopnik and his book. At the time, I realized I was becoming a confirmed Poe nerd and would really enjoy reading Gopnik's ideas regarding Poe and Lincoln and Darwin. But I can see that having a book comparing the ideas of three people would be harder to balance, a lot more difficult to wrap your head around. It would be a lot clearer to work with the ideas of one great individual, in this case, Charles Darwin, and compare him to Lincoln. A few years later, my wish came partially true. I don't ask for much. In the tribute book, In Lincoln's Hand, a collection of his original manuscripts, Gopnik compared Poe to Lincoln in the book's introduction. To paraphrase a portion of that comparison, 
and I think this is just great, beautiful use of language. Lincoln and Poe were both men of the page. At some time during their youth, they realized they had developed a love of words, that both individuals had reached the dividing line between reading and writing as a painful or tedious experience, and on the other hand, reading and writing as training for something wonderful, a method of developing new ideas and perceptions. Both men were born on January the 19th, 1809, and both men influenced history in their own unique ways. Lincoln and Poe were both blessed with brilliant minds, and their thoughts and words changed the way we look at the world. Lincoln's goal was to extend human rights with the purpose of bringing a country together, while Poe's goal was to explore our innermost thoughts with the purpose of expressing our deepest fears and anxieties through literature. I I do hope you are finished, Mr. Bartley, with your tangent, a characteristic which I have found you frequently utilize, going off the subject to discuss a somewhat related topic that for clarification or amplification purposes, you seem to think, at least in your mind, feel such digressions are helpful. But I am here to talk about my birth. Now, while Boston is my birthplace, one must realize that my connections to the city were rather minimal at best, especially compared to my latter connections to Richmond, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and New York City. Now, at the time of my birth, my mother and father were playing at the Boston Theater. Some writers believe I was born on Haskins Street. Others say number 62 Carver Street, and others believed number 38 Hollis Street. In any case, one should avoid the tendency to become bogged down in details, especially since the streets are rather close together in proximity. Later, an area associated with my birthplace was simply marked with a sign, and a parking lot was paved over the area. Mr. Poe, your situation reminds me of the words of Joni Mitchell. They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. And I just found out that where I used to park my car every day in Stanton was also torn down and covered with a parking lot. Now, to use your current vernacular, whatever. Now, the city of Boston did install a rather interesting statue on the sidewalk several years ago. It showed me carrying a briefcase, and a raven was somehow flying out of said briefcase. Now, returning to my birth. At the time, as I have mentioned, both my mother and father were playing at the Boston Theater. And in some of the local tax records of the period, my father's name was listed as David Powell, P-O-W. Then the Powell was marked out and replaced with David Poe, or Poe, spelled P-O-O. On February the 9th, the Boston Gazette specifically noted the return of my mother. Their article said, We congratulate the frequenters of the theater on the recovery of Mrs. Poe from her recent confinement. 
this charming little actress will make her reappearance tomorrow evening in a part particularly adapted to her figure and talents. While in Boston, my mother gave me her watercolor painting, Boston Harbor, Morning 1808. On the back, she wrote, For my little son Edgar, who should ever love Boston, the place of his birth, and where her, his mother found her best and most sympathetic friends. Later, the sentiment behind these words was to play an important part in my earliest writing. Again, I have only scattered memories, if at all, of my father. And on October the 18th, 1809, David Poe Jr. made his last known stage appearance as Captain Cypress. Uh, again, I was so young, I do not have a clear memory of the period, but I believe William Henry Leonard, my slightly older brother, was living with our grandparents in Baltimore. There is a strong likelihood that my mother would have taken me to the theater to watch her rehearsals. I certainly was not completely cognizant of what was transpiring in the plays. I was only an infant and did not have the language skills to fully comprehend the events, but I cannot help. They, they, they made an impression. You see, my mother was a most talented young actress in plays, what you might call today the beautiful ingenue part, such Shakespearean roles as Ophelia in Hamlet, Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, and Cordelia in King Lear, all roles in which she played beautiful young women who died on stage. For example, in the play King Lear, the king holds my mother's limp body and cries, she's gone forever. I know when one is dead and when one lives, she's dead as earth. Then she would soon come back to life and meet me after the rehearsal. Perhaps this is the reason that a constant theme of my later works was the death of a beautiful woman who refused to remain dead after the termination of her life. Just the appearance of the death of one's mother could have scarred an individual for life. I later wrote, the boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where one ends and the other begins? You must have loved her very much. There is no way to adequately express the love I felt for my mother. Thank you, Mr. Poe. I realize that all this might bring back painful memories for you, and I thank you very much for expressing something that must be very painful and personal. The very young Edgar Poe most likely saw his mother die on stage as part of whatever play she was appearing in, only to come back to life. This could only be confusing for any child. Again, I'm so sorry, Mr. Poe, that you had to experience this traumatic event. Thank you for your concern, Mr. Bartley, but let me emphasize that while I may not have concrete memories of occasions when a, a character played by my mother died on stage, those occasions definitely left an impression. I am sure your mother did the best she could, and to be of such young age. Yes, yes, she was only in her early 20s. A contemporary of my mother, English actress Anne Holbrook, 
who had similar struggles with poverty, wrote that it has all been impossible for an actress to make her children comfortable. Yes, Mr. Poe, I am familiar with Miss Holbrook's opinions. Miss Holbrook also wrote that the mother returning with harassed form and agitated mind from the varying passion she has been portraying, instead of imparting healthful nourishment to her child, files it with bile and fever, to say nothing of dragging them long journeys at all seasons of the year. From what I understand, it is though Miss Holbrook was describing an aspect of your mother's career, that the turmoil made such an impact on you that your life was a constant struggle against those around you as you tried to control the tempest of your feelings. Yeah, yes, but I sometimes like to think that those experiences of fear, of love, of beauty, and later of death animated my poetry and prose. I would like to think that ultimately my use of words and language served as my gift to the world. Very well said, Mr. Poe. Quite articulate as usual. Well, let that serve as a segue, and segue can be a very hard word to type because my spell checker thinks that the word is misspelled and keeps changing it to sequel when that is not at all what I wanted. Anyway, you've probably gathered that this is a rather research-heavy podcast. Because there's so much information regarding Poe, one strategy that has helped a great deal was to do a detailed chronology of Poe's life and his works. This has been a huge asset in being sure that the podcast logically and clearly covers what is important in Poe's life. I initially spent months doing a rather detailed chronological outline. Not to be a slave to it, the podcast is certainly flexible with some really cool guests and topics planned, but having that great feeling of having a real basis for each episode to know where this is all going, and not run into that panicky feeling of, what am I going to do this week? One essential resource, in addition to the wealth of information online, is the wealth of information in the local Indianapolis Public Library. I first thought that it would be difficult to access certain resources with many of the local colleges and universities closed, but the Public Library has a great and smart from a health perspective process where you can uh, use the Indianapolis Public Library website to find almost any book you want. If somehow they don't have the item, then you can request it. I browsed browsed through the uh, online uh, catalog reserving books and audio CDs about Poe, the 19th century, etc. The limit is a generous 125 items. Then I'll go to the library and pick up books several times a week, But uh, somehow, I think I'm always pushing the limit. It seems every other day I walk the mile to the library, it's good exercise, with my cart, and uh, get uh, 50 or so Poe-related items. They're all waiting for me in three or four bags. Everything completely contactless. The librarians are just as nice as they can be and jokingly refer to me as job security. The idea that the more the library is used, the higher budget they get. Indianapolis does not have the largest library in the world, but it is among the 15th largest cities in the, in the country, so it's no slouch. 
it does have a very robust system that can draw on the resources of almost every other library in the system. So for all the librarians and employees at the Indianapolis Public Library, thank you. This podcast would be impossible without you. And I encourage you to take advantage of the libraries in your city or country. I am sure you will be amazed at the resources available, resources that can improve the quality of your life. And I'm just getting into serious primary research, papers and documents from the period that are archived online. I will talk about accessing them in a later episode. Sources for this episode include Angels and Ages, a short book about Darwin, Lincoln, and modern life, as well as In Lincoln's Hands, a collection of his original manuscripts by Adam Gopnik, Edgar Allan Poe, a critical biography by author Hobson Quinn, The Poe Log, a documentary life of Edgar Allan Poe by Dwight R. Thomas and David K. Jackson, Edgar Allan Poe, The Man by Mary E. Phillips, and Edgar Allan Poe by George E. Woodbury from the American Men of Letters series. Join us for our our next podcast. It should be out by the end of the week. The podcast today was about the accepted version of Poe's birth. In the upcoming podcast, I will talk about an alternative version of Poe's birth. That sounds strange. Uh, Alternative version, even referred to as a historical conspiracy theory. It seems that some writers are always eager to fill in the blanks when all the facts are not known, and Poe's life was certainly full of mysteries. Well, thank you for making it thus far in this podcast as we take a deep dive into the life, times, and influences of America Shakespeare and how he has influenced our world.